Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's Revolution Recap, a weekly review of the New England Revolution, Major League Soccer, and the U.S. National Team on WNRI AM 1380 and streaming live on the internet at WNRI.com. Brought to you by Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com. Covering the entire sport for the entire region for over 20 years. And now, Revolution Recap with your host, Sean Donahue. Welcome to Revolution Recap on a Sunday night at 7.05 o'clock. 7.05 p.m., I should say. Uh, Revolution coming off a 3-3 draw just an hour ago. Uh, had a 2-1 lead, had a one nothing lead early. Uh, then Brian Ching scored two goals uh, in quick succession, just barely 30 seconds apart. Uh, and then Charlie Joseph tied it up on a penalty kick to make it 3-3. And then the Rebels had a chance to win it uh, deep into stoppage time, really the last kick of the game almost, with uh, Adam Chrisman not getting enough power on that shot. Uh, but uh, for the Revs, got to be disappointed with the way this game went. They certainly had some good chances in the first half. They could have been up by probably more than a goal, uh, especially with some of the chances Taylor Twelman had and him and Pat Newton linked up very well. Uh, but in the end, a, a, a kind of two points lost for the team. I'm not so sure. Uh, this is Jim Dow talking. I, I'm not so sure that, that it was two points lost. Um, the the referee was very very kind to the refs i think in the in the first uh in the first part of the game anyway and uh so i think i think it was a, a deserved draw on on for both teams and and a really pretty entertaining exhibition of uh of soccer for for the crowd again and joined by jim dow from revsnet.com uh in studio here uh, as you mentioned, there was some good calls by the ref there that went the ref's way. Uh, certainly the penalty kick call was blatant handball by Dwayne DeRosario. Uh, maybe could have deserved a yellow, a yellow card for uh, such a blatant attempt to block that shot, uh, which would have seen them go, go down a man, so they did get maybe a little bit lucky on that play. Uh, but Dwayne DeRosario will miss their Houston's next game because that does put him out with suspension, which does hurt the team that's already without several key players in Ricardo Clark, Adrian Serio. Uh, guys like Brian Mullen and Brad Davis, two wingers that are very important to the team. Uh, it was amazing to see how well they performed. Uh, they were such a strong team against the Revs, who've been so good at home, missing four key players. Right. Well, they're a very, very, very well-coached and well-organized team. And uh, it seems like they can slot players in and out without really missing a beat, uh, which, of course, brings us to the question of, uh, you know, the, the remaining 14 games. Can the Revs do that? Because, uh, you know, thus far the Revs have had no really serious injuries they have had players go down for for a game or so but they've had no no major major injuries and and you really begin to wonder what's going to happen when that depth is going to be tested also the revs are uh have two and and in some cases three games in hand on on many of the teams in the league so their schedule is going to start to bunch up plus we've got the open cup coming up etc so you really need to to think about well what is this team going to do to to replenish itself what's the team going to do to uh, to deal with uh, with the the depth and, and even though the rookies uh, certainly are um, you know in many cases uh, at least future stocks it's it's an awful lot of pressure to put on rookies at this point. Oh, well, you mentioned the games in hand. Uh, looking at the other games that happened today, there was Columbus Crew that beat Toronto FC. 
uh, Columbus 2-0, uh, two goals by Barros Scalotto, and that puts Columbus only two points behind the Revolution uh, in the standings for first place. Obviously, first place could change hands later today, uh, just 8 o'clock p.m. when Kansas City plays. Uh, the Red Bulls now tied with, for first with the Reds with, on a John Woolenek goal in the 19th minute. That held up. Uh, but you mentioned the Revs games in hand. Uh, looking at the standings, the Revs do have one game in hand on Kansas City after tonight. So should Kansas City pull ahead, the Revs are and they're still control their own destiny as far as first in the East. Lots of games left to go. Uh, but as far as Houston, Houston's played three games more than the Revs. They are six points ahead uh, in the overall standings. Uh, Dallas has played two games more than the Revs. They are three points ahead in the overall standings. Uh, but right now the Revs are third overall standings. They do have games at hand of both teams ahead of them. Uh, and tied for first. Uh, with the New York Red Bulls, not a bad position to be in uh, just over the midway point in the season. Well, yeah, I agree. But the only thing I worry about is that they really haven't had their depth tested yet. And uh, with the number of games that they've got left, which I think after tonight is 14, um, you really, uh, again, have to wonder uh, what is going to happen when the injury bug comes up and, and bites. It's got to come and bite. I mean, I'm not trying to be a pessimist here, but the way that the Rev play, which is a challenging, hard-tackling, tough game, uh, you know, somebody's going to go down at some point. And so uh, the balance of, of this team is really pretty finely tuned at, at, at this juncture. And so uh, considering that there are one or two players under the, the, the full squad at, at, at this point, you really have to wonder if anybody's going to be coming in to, to, to add to the depth. Well, you mentioned their depth. It seems like they may have one one player uh, for backup from each of the uh, major spots in the field. they got Avery John who can fill in on defense, the experience there. Uh, Gary Flood, who's been uh, playing in defensive midfield, can also fill in on defense, who really hasn't been that much experience. He's got two games. He played well in one of them, uh, not so great in the other one. Uh, and then Adam Christman, who's obviously proven to be a good good forward for the Rebels oh, top backup to Pat Noonan. But after that, uh, you don't see them have the kind of depth that a team like Houston has, where, as I mentioned, they have four players out. They still have good guys on the bench, like Paul mm -hmm. Dalgleish, experience mm -hmm. in there. Uh, Corey Ash has shown very well off the bench mm -hmm. as a young player. Uh, and this is with those four players out. So uh, the Revs have some depth, maybe better than they had last year even. Uh, but had they had an injury crisis like Houston, I think we'd certainly see um, them struggling a bit. Yeah, I think so. And, and, and there's a difference between the, the, the sort of quality of the developmental players that the Revs have. I think they, they have better young players at this point than, than they've ever had before in terms of potential players that can develop into MLS MLS level and beyond players. But at this point, they don't have the number of experienced players. The other thing is that, that even though they have 12, 13, 14 really good MLS players, they don't necessarily have a player for every position. There's still one player short, it seems to me. And they're always constantly having to, to make a sort of adjustment, you know, play Ralston here, play Dorman there, etc., etc. When you move Ralston, for instance, then Jay Heaps suffers. I think one of the reasons that he's, he's had uh, a less than stellar season compared to the last couple of seasons that he's had is because he's not playing in tandem with Ralston all the time. Uh, you know, playing, playing with Kano Smith in front of you is, 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 is a somewhat different thing. I think, I think that the, the, they're, they're like one player away from being solid at every position. And, and looking at the, the run into to the playoffs and beyond at this point. That, I think, is a bit of a worrisome thing. Well, we do have to take a quick change of pace here. I, I mentioned Josh Hackler we were going to have on the show last week. Uh, we weren't able to do that, but we do have him now. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the Open Cup here for about 10 minutes, and then we'll get back to last night's game. Josh actually has to or run a little bit at 7.25. He's doing the Ocean City Barons game, uh, the Professional Development League, uh, later tonight doing the play-by-play -play on that. 
Uh, we were talking about the uh, schedule uh, for the Revs coming up. Very busy schedule. They have Real Salt Lake on Saturday, and that starts a very busy stretch for the team. But then they on uh, the next following Thursday, they have the Kansas City Wizards, D.C. United on Sunday, uh, the Open Cup game against Harrisburg City on Wednesday, uh, Los Angeles again on Sunday, uh, where Beck, David Beckham comes to town. Then after that, another game on Thursday. Then the Colorado Rapids, another game on Sunday. Really midweek games uh, the next three weeks after this weekend. Uh, but we have Josh Hackle on the phone. Josh, can you hear me? Yes, I can. How are you guys? Very good. How are you? I'm fantastic. Getting ready for a great game here in Ocean City. And it's perfect weather as usual. And uh, and it, does that mean with all that schedule, does that mean your revs are going to sort of return to their, uh, their old ways and field a subpar lineup in the Open Cup? Well, that's what we're wondering about, certainly looking at the schedule uh, and the competition they're playing against. We saw D.C. lose to Harrisburg with uh, mostly reserve side. Uh, but the Revolution, they certainly played their starters against Rochester. Uh, the schedule wasn't quite as clustered as it is right now. Uh, but it will be interesting to see, should they go uh, with this midweek game, should they go with an easier lineup? I would, I would imagine that some of the starters will be rested. But I, I think we'll see a pretty strong lineup and hopefully stronger than the lineup that D.C. played that ended up losing. Yeah, I think that uh, New England does have, and you mentioned it just a few minutes ago, that, that they have some depth, and I think that they could get away with playing some of the younger guys and still uh, can still feel the pretty decent side. Uh, having seen Harrisburg in person uh, when they beat the Barons in the Open Cup, they uh, they, they are very good. Uh, we gave them all they could handle, and uh, and we had three balls. We had to clear three balls off the line, or they had to clear three balls off the line uh, to win it, but they uh, they're very good and obviously are good enough to beat the D.C. sort of, uh, you know, second-tier team. But, uh, you know, I, I think that the USL teams have, have shown that they can beat MLS teams uh, with their full squads or their uh, second-tier squads either way uh, with only three MLS teams left. Well, looking at how the brackets kind of played out here with only three MLS teams left, uh, and FC Dallas, the Revs, and the Colorado Rapids, uh, some of the big names like the Houston Dynamo, who we mentioned, uh, were already eliminated. Uh, so certainly on the Revs' side of the bracket, they won't have to be playing any MLS team uh, on their way until they get to the final. Uh, and even maybe then, who knows what the way this tournament's been going. Of course, that is assuming the Revs themselves uh, managed to get back Harrisburg, managed to get past Harrisburg and then through the semifinals. But you have to think, looking at this uh, tournament and the teams that they could end up against, this has got to be the, te- the Revs' best chance of winning a trophy this year, uh, certainly with some of the big names coming in, like uh, Blanco and to Chicago and Beckham to Los Angeles. Uh, it-, it might turn those teams around. Obviously, it's too soon to tell what's going to happen with that. But there's some big names entering the league. Uh, the teams left and the Open Cup don't seem to be the teams that are bringing in those big names. Obviously, Dallas has been successful, but uh, would you think this is a good chance for the Revs maybe to advance in this tournament and make it to the final? Certainly, they have to be one of the favorites uh, of the remaining teams. Oh, absolutely. I, I think that they, their, their path is... Uh, I, you, don't wanna, you definitely don't want to say easy, but obviously, anytime you don't have to play an MLS team to get to the final, you're in good shape. But I, I would say that while I would say that New, New England is definitely the favorite against Harrisburg... It's the winner of Richmond and Carolina, that, that's going to be an extremely tough team to play. So I, I definitely wouldn't look past that semifinal matchup. But the, the Richmond Kickers are, are a very good team. They're, they're the best second-division team in the league. And they uh, and Carolina, is, while not topping the table in the first division, is, is a, a very experienced team. And uh, they, they showed that they had no fear against uh, the Chicago Fire winning that game one nothing. And uh, I believe a lot of people got to see that game at USL Live, which was kind of cool. So... Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I think the Reds definitely have the have the advantage over uh, over what what Colorado has to go through and what uh, FC Dallas has to go through to get there. Were you at all surprised at the results 
in, in the, um, what is it, the quarterfinals last, no, not the third round, the third round, were you all surprised by all, how many upsets there were? Uh, certainly in the second round, I don't believe there were any upsets at all, which kind of goes against the norm. But in the third round, there were five upsets. Were you at all surprised by that? I, I was surprised by how many. I mean, I, I, we've had four in one round before. We've never had five. I've never had five MLS teams lo- uh, fall in one round before. Uh, I, I guess I was more surprised by how badly Seattle beat Chivas. I, I think uh, that was probably the biggest uh, biggest surprise. Uh, what surprised me was that FC Dallas actually prevailed in their game because even even in the penalty shootout, uh, the, the Atlanta goalkeeper, McIntosh, still made two saves in the penalty shootout, so they were lucky just to get past them. But uh, the other games, one nothing games, very close games, uh, Charleston winning on a penalty kick in, in, in extra time. It, you know, that's, that's cup soccer. I think uh, fans around, around the world know that uh, that's usually what you get with these cup games. You get very defensive games. Nobody wants to give up anything. And uh, every once in a while you have a, you know, a 10-goal you know, thriller. But, uh, but most of the time they're pretty low-scoring games. Oh, I know I talked to you about this earlier, but this, this three of the four teams that are participating in the Superliga uh, played for the most part, uh, not their best squads in this going into this tournament, and three of them ended up being eliminated. Dallas, as you mentioned, had a very tough time. They, they're the other team in the Superliga that managed to make it through. Uh, but do you think that possibly the Superliga kind of takes attention away from this tournament uh, for those teams, makes, maybe makes them want, not want uh, as much schedule congestion? Yeah, I, I think that what really boggled my mind was the fact that they, they had qualifying for Major League Soccer this year in an effort to reduce the fixture congestion, but yet they included teams like Los Angeles in the in the qualification. So really, by, quali- by L.A. qualifying for the tournament, that did nothing to you know, make the, the schedule or the fixture congestion any, any less. So I, I don't really get that, um, but uh, still, with, with the, the teams that were knocked out, I mean, I think it is pretty coincidental, but at the same time, I mean, L.A. was pushing for the win. They, they brought in Donovan at halftime, and they were... You know, they were pushing to try to win that game. I think that that early goal they weren't able to come back from. And, uh, and again, Carolina, you know, playing at home, it always helps. So, I mean, it, it, so the Super League teams, I think, just in, in their mind, maybe, you know, maybe luck out for, you know, not having to play as many games. I think L.A., in their heart of hearts, probably are, are glad that they don't have to continue in the tournament and even maybe even subject David Beckham to, you know, a second division team or a first division team that, you know, would, would want to make a name for themselves. So uh, it, it's unfortunate that they're out of the tournament for that reason, but uh, I guess they probably, I would think, see it as a good thing, unfortunately. Well, you mentioned uh, Carolina and Richmond being two very good teams, and certainly the Revs would be the favorites against Harrisburg City, but should they advance to the semifinals, uh, that's expected to play, take place around September 4th. Uh, that's actually a week where uh, the Revs have a game on Saturday, uh, August 25th. No, they don't have another game until September 9th. Uh, so should they advance to the semifinals, they're not really adding uh, really a difficult stretch to their schedule because they already have a you know, free weekend there. Uh, I, I think that this is a, a excellent chance for the Revs you know, to make a run at this tournament. Who do you see as the two teams that you know are going to make it to the final? And do you have any prediction for who's going to win this? Well, based on that, I, I think if your goal was to convince me that New England's a favorite, I think you, uh, you were successful in that. I think it would definitely be uh, New England in the final. I... You know, it's really hard to see what's going to happen in that, that the bottom half of the bracket, Seattle and Colorado. Uh, it, as well as Seattle played against Chivas, you wonder if they're able, you know, if they're going to be able to duplicate that performance against the Rapids. Um, I guess if you 
uh, if you had to hold a gun to my head, I, I, I just, I really think that uh, that we're probably going to see, even with the numbers against them, I think we're going to see an all-in-all final again. And they're just going to make it a lot more interesting. And uh, I, I, I'm thinking it's probably going to be FC Dallas and uh, New England because FC Dallas has shown that they they want to put their best lineup on the field. They want to try to win this. And uh, it's uh, it's been a great tournament for them so far, uh, escaping Atlanta. Well, I know you got to get going to do uh, the play-by-play for the Ocean City Barons game. Uh, but before you do, uh, can you talk a little about USOpenCup.com? I know a lot of people actually think that that is the official site of the Open Cup. It actually isn't. Uh, even even MLS's own website calls it the official site. Uh, yeah. par- par- partly probably because the official site uh, is a little lacking on uh, current information and uh, you know the information that you want. And really, really, USOpenCup.com kind of fills that void that of, of what is lacking from the official site. Could you talk a little about you know what what you do for the site and you know the effort you put into it and uh, what the goal yeah. of it is? Yeah, we've been doing it since, and in my memory escapes me whether it was 2002 or 2003 when we started it. And uh, as uh, Chuck Nolan and myself just sort of put our heads together, and, and, and we've been doing the site since then to do exactly that, fill the void. And uh, we do as best we can to try to, you know, and this is, you know, we everybody here has, a, it's not a, a commercial venture for us, obviously. We don't make a whole lot of money doing it, actually no money doing it. So it's, uh, it, it's just something that we were trying to fill that void and keep the, the tournament to give it some coverage that it really needs and it's one of the best kept secrets in American sports not much less American soccer so we're uh, you know we put stuff out there as much as we can and uh, and obviously anybody would like to help we you know we, we'd love to hear from you to you know to contribute to the site whether it's right for us or you know do graphics or whatever you name it we could always use some help with that but um, but no it's been a lot of fun doing it and uh, and we, we get a lot of emails from people you know with their yeah, and their appreciation for it, and uh, and it's been fun. So we'll, we'll keep keep going every year, and uh, hopefully at some point this tournament will start to take off. Well, thanks a lot for joining us today, and uh, good luck uh, with the Ocean City Barons game tonight. All right, thanks a lot. Again, that was Josh Hackler from USOpenCup.com. Actually started and runs the site. Uh, we, were, we were talking a little bit earlier about uh, the Revs' schedule coming up. Uh, very busy. Uh, the Harrisburg game may be a chance for the Revs to test a few of the younger players, but s- certainly when they have such an opportunity to go win a trophy uh, and what they saw Harrisburg do to D.C., uh, they don't want to be too confident going into that game and play too easy of a lineup. No, certainly not. And, of course, again, you you, you think these the, you bring in these second, first and second division teams, these, these teams below MLS level. They're, of course, all, all playing for scalps. They really want to, want to shine. And the teams are, in many cases, very, very well organized. And so if you, if you bring in one of those teams and then play less than your starting lineup and little seeds of disorganization start to, to, to come in, uh, you know, it can be really, it can be really trouble. Uh, so I think that uh, it's it's just very, very important for uh, if the Revolution do decide to to you know participate in this tournament to really make a decision to 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 play the best team that they can. Even though, again, uh, obviously with with the with the depth that they have or lack of depth that they have, it is a gamble. Well, we are going to take a quick break in just a second, but before we do, I do want to announce again our contest this week. We are giving away a New England Revolution replica jersey, home jersey, valued at $65. Before I get into the trivia for this contest, I would like to announce the winner of last week's contest, uh, which was an Adidas Revolution soccer ball, uh, courtesy of Eurosport. Uh, The winner of last week's contest was Michael Dwyer from Syracuse, New York. Uh, he correctly answered the question, which were the first two Revolution players uh, allocated to the team, and that was Mike Burns and Alexi Lawless. Uh, this week, 
this week our entry, our question is going to be which four players have scored hat tricks for the Revolution. Uh, there haven't been uh, any hat tricks this season yet. Uh, two of the players are currently still with the team. Another one's still playing somewhere in MLS. Uh, in the fourth and final is no longer playing, uh, <laughs> no longer playing in the league. Uh, but we are going to take a quick break here. Again, that answer can be emailed to contests at revolutionrecap.com, contests at revolutionrecap.com. Um, the winner will be selected. Uh, entries are due by Wednesday at midnight, and the winner will be selected randomly from all of those who correctly answered the question. Uh, we'll take a quick break now. for soccer in New England? It's all right here at Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com. New England's premier soccer magazine celebrating over 20 years of in-depth soccer coverage. Professional teams, college soccer, men's and women's amateur leagues, youth and high school teams. Soccer New England Magazine's got it covered. Looking for youth soccer camps? You'll find them here. Dedicated to bringing the excitement of soccer home to you with stories, scores, and insights in both print and on the web. Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com. Covering the entire sport for the entire region for over 20 years. This is the game. Soccer football. Call it what you want it. The world's language. If you live for the game and that runs in your veins, say ole, 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 ole. If you live for the game and that runs in your veins, say ole, 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 ole. I'm burning down the field, getting hotter than a toaster. I flip fake and juke like Ronaldinho. Me, I'm just a man, but look at you, you're just a nino. When we go, a 4-3-3 should be illegal. Cause we be making plays while you're hogging it like Schmigo. Your ego is just too big to catch the Stilo. Jogo Bonito, you hit the ground like Luis Figo. Oh no, oh no, watch me give and go. Now I'm weaving through the D like I'm the Ronaldo. Ha, if you could only see, I'm Tati with the shot of Thierry Henry. If you live for the game and it runs in your veins, say ole, ole, oh, ole, ole. If you live for the game and it runs in your veins, say ole, ole, oh, ole, ole. And now back to Revolution Recap with Sean Donahue on WNRI AM 1380. Welcome back to Revolution Recap. Sean Donahue joined here in studio by Jim Dow of RevNet.com. And Jim just brought up during the break uh, the important game that happened last night. David Beckham making his debut, a 12-minute cameo at the end of that match. Uh, he did show a little bit of what he was capable of with some uh, long passes that we were seeing a little bit early in the game. The Galaxy trying the same long passes. All of them ran through the keeper. Uh, if you notice, Beckham, uh, they didn't connect with his teammates, but his teammates were right there. None of them were actually too far for the players to get to. Uh, maybe a little bit of what, what is to come from Beckham. Uh, his corner kick was a little bit better than Donovan's. Obviously didn't connect with the players either. Uh, but 
I think he's going to be a big key player for the Galaxy, especially uh, a, a team that's struggling right now. And what what we saw a little bit of what he was capable of, I don't think he should have been playing last night. Honestly, looking at how, how he was able to run, our lack of being able to run there, uh, and the tackle from Steve Sidwell, which was kind of surprising considering uh, what Jose Moreno said before the game, talking about how they'd take it easy on Beckham and make sure he didn't get injured. Uh, didn't look like it was Steve Sidwell's tackle, but... Uh, what did you think of Beckham's performance, and what well, do you think he's going to do for the I thought, I thought Steve Sidwell was probably in the bathroom when, when Mourinho gave those instructions and didn't hear him. But, uh, uh, you know, I think, I think he's, a, he's a wonderful player. Uh, unfortunately for the, uh, for the league in terms of, of, of really fans, the average fan understanding, I think most of the people who go to MLS games won't realize the, the good things that he does. I thought what you just said with the, the, the couple of passes that he made, he made one glorious pass out of his own box. I forget who the player was that was sort of posted up at the midway line, but he split like three guys and just put it right on the guy's uh, foot. And the other long pass that he made, he was trying to drop it over the shoulder of the defender to Kobe Jones, and it missed by about a ball width. So, you know, clearly he's able to do uh, the stuff that's going to improve the team. The circus that surrounds it is just, it, you know, I, I think if I was, if, if I had been at that game, I think I probably would have left. It was just so disgusting. Uh, it's, it's really, it's, it, you know, it, this, it's a sideshow. And, and hopefully, Yallop or maybe Fabio Capello, if, if the rumor is true, come, comes in. Uh, hopefully somebody's going to get a hold of that dressing room and just say, okay, guys, let's, let's, let's play football. Because the fact is that the, they have some pretty good players and they've added two good players in Pavone and, and Javier. They're older players, but, you know, Javier was terrific against Chelsea. Um, so I think that, 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 you know, given the fact that they've got whatever it is, uh, 16 games more or something like that to play, you know, I think they could, they could very well improve. Well, you mentioned uh, Chelsea, uh, the game against Chelsea, that Galaxy were playing one of the top teams in England. Obviously, they're in preseason form, but they played uh, very well considering who they were playing against, much better than they played against Tigres. And it, certainly that's going to be a confidence booster for the team going ahead back to the MLS season. Well, I, th I think so. I mean, the, they, they actually started to move the, the ball against Chelsea. Uh, they started to do some pattern plays and so forth. Uh, I, I think neither team was really interested in making really, really hard crunching tackles except our friend Sidwell, but uh, you, you know they, they did they did put themselves about I thought pretty usefully, and I think it bodes well for the rest of the season. Again, if they can just get away from this crazy circus, I mean that that spectacle of a hundred photographers or whatever it is surrounding the end of the bench taking pictures of Beckham taking his shoes on and off, uh, you, you know we don't need that. And I and I'm sure you know thinking about bringing it home a little bit. I'm sure Nickel and Mariner are just sitting in front of their TVs with their heads in their hands, thinking, "Thank God this didn't happen here." Well, certainly the media attention is good for the league, but you, it did get a little crazy certainly in that game. The final score was one nothing Chelsea, uh, but the Galaxy had their chances. Kyle Martino probably should have done better with the header he had. Landon Donovan certainly should have done better with the wide open header he had. That would have tied the game up uh, very late in the game and would have probably gotten them away with the draw there. Uh, so unfortunate the Galaxy couldn't get a result, but uh, one that was certainly respectable against opponents of the, of the caliber of Chelsea. Uh, other game last night, Real Salt Lake took on Everton. They came away with a two to nothing victory. Real Salt Lake, the the bottom 
bottom team in MLS really were performing poorly in the league. Uh, played very well against Everton and got away with a win. Uh, tonight, a little bit earlier, to, at Toyota Park, you saw the Chicago Fire take on Celtic. Uh, Blanco scored the, the first goal for the Fire in that game. Uh, Derek Reardon tied it up late in the 80th minute after the Fire had already brought in a lot of the reserves. So a good result for the Fire there. Uh, judging by the stats, it looked like the Fire were the better team in that match. Obviously did not get the chance to see that. Uh, but some good results for MLS teams this past weekend against international competition. Well, I think, again, uh, what we were talking about before the break with the about the Open Cup, uh, applies with these things too you know the mls teams come in there in the middle of the season they're well organized they're they're they are playing for uh you know a kind of uh, for glory and so uh they tend i think the results in some ways tend to flatter the mls teams on the other hand if you listen to you know if you talk to the coaches uh the revs coaches or uh you know some of the other coaches around the league uh you know they they think very very highly of the level of mls players they all say it's the depth it's it's the fact that we haven't got you know, Chelsea's basically got two teams. And Chelsea actually, funnily enough, for uh, one of the big-time teams in, in, in the world, has a very small squad by, by decision. Mourinho keeps, I think, only about 21 or 22 senior players. So they're not... They're not a huge, uh, a huge team. Some of the teams, you know, carry 30, 35 senior players. But by the same token, I think this, th- these results do flatter the MLS teams uh, a bit. But on the other hand, I think, you know, it's wonderful to see them go up against quality opposition like that and it's wonderful i thought the all-star game for instance was a was a wonderful game to watch this was a terrific spectacle from both sides the mls should beat celtic they should beat celtic in the middle of the season too but uh you know it was a really really well played game and we haven't mentioned the all-star game yet that was a two nothing victory by the mls all-stars three revolution players took place in that matt reese played the first half didn't really have too much to do to be honest, uh, came away with the shutout in the first half, but uh, really I maybe made one or two saves at, at most. Michael Parker's play defense looked really strong against Celtic. Shari Joseph looked good in the midfield. Uh, he actually took a knock very late in the game, certainly worrying for Steve Nichol, but uh, he was able to play today and certainly didn't look any worse uh, for, for that hit he took. So uh, overall, good performance. I don't believe anyone got injured. Ricardo Clark didn't play today. He did play in that game. I'm not sure. Uh, 100% what that was. But. Yeah, he went, he went down a couple times in the game, but I'm not sure if it was injuries or cramp. Uh, and the Revs' upcoming game here, uh, looking ahead a little bit, we mentioned they had the 2 nothing win over Everton FC. They are playing Boca Juniors uh, on the 24th before they play the Revs on the 28th. Certainly that's going to be a, a very big game uh, for them coming off at home, coming off after a win over Everton FC. Uh, certainly their confidence will be high. Might may change with their midweek game on Tuesday. Uh, but that that won't be an easy game for the Revs. Certainly on paper, it looks like an easy game with the re- with the results. The Revs have never had an easy time against Salt Lake. No, never have. And I think there was one game that they played here in the first Salt Lake's first year where they where they really hammered them. As I remember, that was a game Conor Smith got got uh, at least one, if not two, goals. But generally speaking, no, they have a very tough time with Salt Lake. And they've already played them at home earlier in the season. And, uh, well, they had several chances. They probably should have won. They only came away with enough 0-0 draw. Uh, Salt Lake has been very good at getting draws this season. Uh, Whether they try to do that at home against a team like the Revolution, who have been doing well this season, uh, remains to be seen. But uh, that kind of falls under a a trap game for the team. Uh, On the road, passionate support there. Uh, and the team that will really be looking for a win to get their chances up at making the playoffs, which right now aren't looking too good. Yeah, I thought, you know, thinking about the game today uh, where they were playing a team that is very, very, very athletic, um, 
is able to press it press and press hard and has a considerable amount of speed. I thought in the first uh, the first half and say the first third to half of the second half, the revolution passing game was was working pretty well. You saw them ping that ball around really, really beautifully. And there were a couple of times I thought they were going to send people in one on one in the go against the goalie, and it didn't it didn't work in the end. But then they sort of went off the boil, probably because it it, it was a warm summer day and they're playing on that frying pan of uh, you know fake turf but i really wonder uh over the over the long haul of the season if the if the revolution can keep up that level of passing against the lesser teams the the, the teams that don't have that athleticism and don't have that ability to to force and press i think they'll probably will do well again barring injuries uh because they really are i think uh at this point um the sort of most stylish team in the league well, you mentioned the first half play. The team really had a lot of chances that they could have had more goals. Uh, Houston had a couple of half chances, but never really tested Matt Race. Uh, certainly, g- going into halftime, it looked like the Revs were the much better team uh, as far as performance in the first half. Uh, but the second half kind of changed. Houston got the, the two quick goals in the 60th minute with Brian Chang. Uh, Dwayne Girasari obviously scored the four, four minutes after halftime uh, with his spectacular goal. Oh, from that the top was just of the a box. rocket. That but, was just. That was that was from another uh, you know another solar system that thing. But the refs had otherwise had done a good job containing Dwayne Dirosario, which is kind of a you know a tough thing to do for a player like him. Uh, he got an amazing nothing you can do to really stop a shot like that. And certainly Matt Reese had no chance. Uh, you don't expect that, but you have to press a little bit harder than that did. Maybe they could have stopped it. But uh, Dwayne Dirosario, spectacular player, got that goal to tie it up. Uh, when the refs went right down. Two minutes later, Taylor Twelman uh, gave the Revs back the lead after kind of a defensive mistake by Dynamo got the ball to Pat Noonan. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you would have thought the Revs would have gone on to win that game. Well, you know, Houston, as I say, the the two sort of uh, major players in terms of scoring, Rosario, Rosario and Brian Ching, are the kind of players who who will push and push and push the whole game, and then they'll just make a strike. They they don't they don't necessarily. Uh, Call attention to themselves uh, the entire game, and then and then something will happen. The Revolution, on the other hand, seem to be much more of a kind of a pattern team. They build up, they build up slowly, they change the field, they do all kind all kinds of really wonderful things to watch. But they are uh, their effort is more obvious than say the effort of a team like Houston. And I think that the danger is with a team like Houston is that is is something's going to just come happen, you know, come out of the blue or seemingly come out of the blue. And so the concentration has to be, uh, you know, over a hundred percent to to survive against a team like that because they just never never stop. I don't know if you you saw Houston when they played uh, against uh, Pachuca uh, in uh, the the tournament before the season, but they were they just kept coming and coming and coming. And even though Pachuca were clearly the better team, they Houston never never let up until the game was over. Well, talking about their offensive weapons and talking a little bit earlier about the Revs um, possibly needing to bring someone in, uh, they went in kind of a, l- a little bit later into the season, brought in a guy like Joseph Nguyenya, and look at the difference he's made for this team. He certainly had a great assist uh, for Brian Ching's first goal, really set that goal up completely. Uh, Brian Ching just had an easy tap, and that was Nguyenya who made that goal. Uh, he's done very well this season since yeah, going he, to Houston. He was, he was uh, terrific. He was and, terrific today. And Houston's a team that won the championship last year, and they brought in some players like Richard Mulroney, who has proved huge, especially in Ricardo Clark's absence. 
uh, and as I mentioned, Nguanya, it would be great to see the Res bring in maybe two guys, you know, of that caliber to add to their team. Uh, Houston the champions, Revs finishing just short of being champions. You know, maybe two players like that could be enough, you know, for the Revs to make that push and finally win it. Well, if you look around the league, that that most of the teams are bringing in, you know, forget Beckham and all that kind of thing, but most of the teams are bringing in seriously good middle-level players. I mean, Juan Toha was phenomenal. Uh, you know, uh, so so the question is, the whole league is over the course of this season rising ever so slightly. The Revs, who have, you know, in my in in my view, uh, some of the best players in the league, are not necessarily getting that much better. And so the question is, it, number one, can they maintain their quality? And number two, does their quality uh, maintain itself in advantage over the, over the teams that are improving? It is a long, long season, and we are only beginning the second half. Well, right now over the phone, we are joined by uh, president of the Midnight Riders, the Revolution Fan Club, uh, Monty Rodriguez. Monty, can you hear me? Hey, Sean, how are you? Hi, Jim. Hi, Monty. How are you? Fantastic. Well, thanks a lot for joining us tonight. No problem. Oh, as a fan, obviously there's a lot of highs and lows in this game where the Revs taking the lead, you know, giving up, taking it in again, uh, and then giving up and, and uh, trailing at one point before Joseph tied it up. And he actually missed the initial penalty kick, uh, but got to retake it. Uh, what was your overall impression from this game? Are you happy with the result, or do you think the Revs should have gotten the, the victory? Well, yeah, anytime, anytime we, we lose, well, yeah, anytime we tie at home is a loss as far as I'm concerned. And, you know, if, if you actually want to make a run for the trouble, um, you got to win this game. So, you know, we played well. Don't, don't get me wrong. It was just, I, I wish we played better. I wish, I, I wish a lot of things, but it just didn't happen tonight. Well, we were talking about the Revs, uh, kind of lack of bringing in, you know, another player. They they have two roster spots with Daniel Hernandez being released and Joe Franchino out for the season on the injury list. Uh, obviously, the rookies have stepped up and provided some depth, uh, but this team doesn't have the depth of Houston, who have some some experienced players that they brought in. And as you mentioned, they were missing four key starters tonight, uh, or, or maybe three and a half starters, depending on you know who you think is their their best starting lineup. And they had some several experienced guys who could step in uh, and play such a high level game against the Revolution, who are obviously a, a very good team from the record this year. Uh, what do you think the Revs need to do? Who, who would you think the Revs uh, sh- should bring in? Uh, honestly, we've had this conversation on Big Soccer many times. It's tough to, to describe who you want to bring in because you know the money is always an issue and everything like that. But you know, as far as everybody knows, we're about a half million dollars on the salary cap, and we're, we've got two roster spots open. And uh, it, it's tough to, to see us in that position and not bringing someone in. Yeah. Bring in someone. Bring in a, a you know, and Obviously, you don't know, but there's a guy like a Christian Gomez that was cheap when they when DC got him, and you know Shaletto that we had the chance to get. There's there's players out there that we can get, and we've just never made the effort to go get them. Um, and so it, it's tough to, to give a name because honestly, that's not my job. That's, that's what the scouting department's supposed to be doing, and I'm just really questioning our scouting department at this point. 
Well, you mentioned kind of changing the, the uh, tone a little bit. You mentioned the going for the trouble. The Revs played a, a very good, a very strong squad against Rochester and got away with the victory. Uh, they have a pretty what well, well, would look like an easy path to the final with uh, no MLS teams in the way. Certainly, some motivated USL teams that have beaten MLS teams. Uh, but what do you think of the Revs' approach to the Open Cup this year compared to the past years, where maybe they haven't played the starting squad? And do you think the Revs are going to make a concentrated effort to really go out and win it? I, I hope so. I mean, you know, I, I used to be one of those that said that we don't make an effort, but we made an effort last year. We, we put our lineup out there in Rochester, uh, and you know, it took the penalties to, to win that game. But then we had the home, uh, we had the game in Chicago. And again, we put our lineup out there, except for uh, Matt Reese. If I remember correctly, yeah, Matt Reese wasn't playing. So other than that, we had our lineup out there, and you know, from what I saw of the game, which was on you know, online, it was. It wasn't even Doug Warren's fault that we lost that game. It was just, uh, it, it is what it is. And uh, we've got we've got a great shot. Uh, you're playing Harrisburg, which is the USL two team, if I remember correctly. And then you then you have a home game. Well, then you have a game. It's supposed to it, where it's not going to be in July. Um, hopefully, we get a good crowd out for the game against Harrisburg. But then we play uh, the winner of the Richmond, I believe it's Carolina yep. game, and. Yeah, it's there for us. It's there for us to get our first trophy. And, you know, obviously everything's going to depend on what our schedule looks like September 4th. actually works for us because we don't have a game Labor Day weekend. So that should set us up nicely for the final. We just got to, you know, I'd like to think that Stevie would go out and try and get that first, first piece of hardware. Well, looking at the standings currently, uh, after today, not not with the Kansas City game yet, and having been played, that's going to be at 8 o'clock, uh, but with the Red Bulls getting the win, the Revs now tied for first in the East, uh, tied for third in the overall standings. Uh, what is your happiness as as a fan of the team? What what do you think of the team so far this season? Are you happy with uh, where they are? I, I'm, I'm okay with where they are. I think, you know, part of my frustration, and, you know, Jim's written articles about this, and but, yeah, we're we're under the cap. We've got the space to go out and get players, and yet we're not doing it. And you know, I, I like Connor Smith. He's a great guy, but our left midfield spot is killing us. It's absolutely killing us, and it was proven by the fact that Nickel took out Kano at halftime today. Uh, you know, there, there's there's money there, and I I don't know what they're waiting for. I don't know what they're saving it for. We're we're in first place. That's great. And and there's a lot of fans that that will go along with that. We're in first place, but I think we could be better. And the potential is there to be better. We just don't seem to be taking it. Well, and I'd add, Marty, that, that you know, thinking again that there's probably 14 league games, X number of playoff games, and X number of Open Cup games, and with the squad that that exists right now, it really is going into the meat of the season with a with a pretty thin line. Uh, and 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 then comes down to the question of you know what's the ambition? I, I think the ambition, you know, if you look Nickel in the eye and you look Mariner in the eye and you ask them, they both they both seem to be very very interested in bringing in players, and they they seem to be very very flexible in bringing in players. I don't know whether that's uh, the the truth of the matter or not, but the fact is uh, you really have to wonder about the ambition of this organization. Um, in terms, not the players and not the coaches, but the organization itself. Uh, I, I can't disagree with that at all, Jim. Uh, you know, we've, we've, again, you got a half a million dollars under the cap. You've, you've got the space to go out and get a player, and, and we seem to be not doing it. And, you know, the last couple of years, we've 
you can argue we've been a player short. We've been just short of winning mm-hmm. the cup. And somehow, amazingly, we just don't go out and get that player. And it's, you know, we've gone out, we've gotten, you know, Ricardo Phillips and stuff. It's not, it's not like they're not trying, but at times as a fan, it feels like they aren't trying. It, you know, we'd love to have some news. You know, Stephen Goff of, uh, DC. He reports everything that's going on. And I don't know if I, I trust Frank Papa. He's a great guy. I've met him a couple of times. The question isn't whether or not he knows what he's doing. It's the question of does he know what's going on? And, or, or are they actually doing anything? Well, I can, I can tell you from having gone to, to training many times and having interviewed uh, people in the organization, they're really, you know, the philosophy seems to be that there is the boot, it's, it's like the Liverpool boot room. The stuff never goes out, outside of the boot room. I was shocked when Nickel, what was it, six weeks ago or five weeks ago, said that we were, you know, looking, actively looking and potentially on the verge of signing a player. It was on the June 21st news. Yeah, well, that's, uh, for this organization, or at least the way that it's run, uh, you know, in the in the nickel era, that's that's shockingly transparent. Uh, so well, I mean, yes and no. I mean, yeah, everybody talks about a quiet there. They did the same thing last year. We were talking about having two potential players coming in, and both of those never worked out. Now we're a month after what happened last year. And, I'm sorry, what a month after June 21st, and we're in the same spot. You know, there's there's, there's cap space, there's roster space. There's SI space, and there's nobody to fill it. Yeah, well, I, I would agree with you, and, and although I, I do feel that the uh, the quality of this team is very, very, very high, I think the question is uh, they they need that one or perhaps even two players to uh, to be able to stand the gaff for the remainder of the season. Yep, I mean, yeah, we've been fortunate that Tommen hasn't gotten hurt. We've been fortunate that Matt Reese hasn't gotten hurt. We've been fortunate that Michael Barkus hasn't gotten hurt. And, and I'm knocking on wood right now as I speak. But you know, those three guys, I like Adam Christman, I like Pat Noonan. But without those guys, I, I, you know, I don't see anything backing them up that makes me feel comfortable about this team. And if Matt Reese is hurt, Doug Warren's still having concussion issues. And so Brad Knighton was a rookie would be coming in. We have nobody in the... I'm sorry, I, just, I don't trust anybody else coming in in the back. And 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 you've got the forwards. And, you know, Newton had a, had a beautiful goal tonight, but he's been having issues as well. Well, changing the subject again a little bit, uh, the, the forwards look great this season. Uh, Gillette looks better than ever. Uh, but, uh, again, at the Gillette Stadium, it kind of gets drowned out a little bit by such a huge stadium uh, where... Uh, some of these other teams you see, like Chicago getting their own stadium, Red Bulls talking about getting their own stadium. Uh, most of the teams now are getting soccer-specific stadiums, already have them. Uh, the Reds may be a little bit different case because they do actually own uh, Gillette Stadium, uh, unlike these other teams. Uh, I talked to Craig Tormer recently. He does say that they're actively pursuing uh, looking into opportunities for a soccer-specific stadium. But how would that change the atmosphere at the games? Uh, for you especially as the president of the Midnight Riders, the Revolution Fan Club uh, supporters group, uh, how how would that change the atmosphere for these games, and what would that do for your group? It'll be it'd be awesome to not you know have a stadium. You know what we get killed by is, and I agree, the sport's been incredible in the last couple. Excuse me, I'm sorry. The last couple of years, it's been absolutely incredible. But the problem is that that tunnel right next to the bridge is where we are, and so all the noise just goes out that way. 
uh, you know, you get a new stadium, hopefully it's built in right, and you can actually be out there and make noise and having a supporter section that actually people can hear. At, at times it feels like nobody hears us except for the people that are in the, in the section itself, uh, which, which kills us. It, it kills us. You know, at, at times tonight I heard the Houston fans. And you know, a few of them came out to the tailgate tonight, and they could hear us, which is, which makes me feel good. You know, we have seven hundred of us in the section. But I think a new stadium, if they build it right, I think can be done very well. I think we'll, we we have the supporters, and I think having it somewhere where people can get into town and you know not have to worry about driving if if that's the case, especially for the people that don't have cars, obviously, uh, the potential is there. It's how we handle it. Well, I will let you go in just a second. But before I do, could you tell us about the Midnight Riders and the organization, what its goals are? Um, Midnight Riders uh, is the independent supporters group of the Rives. Um Our goals are basically, you know, we, we want to make it as much fun as possible for people to come out. Um, the, yeah, the, the, the misgiving that people have is that they think that we're... Uh, in the fort, not all of us are. There's a lot of riders that sit at midfield, and that's fine. It's not, that's not a requirement, but but the requirement is to come and support your team and 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 do the best you can and and, and cheer on your team. Yeah, you know, we had 130 of us going down to New York now, last weekend. I think it was about 120 riders and about 10 Rev Army fans, and it was one of the best trips. We, it was the best trip we've ever put together. And, you know, I know the players appreciate it. They all came over after the game. All we want to do is we want to support this team as best we can, and that's what I think everyone's goal is at the end of the day. Well, thanks a lot for joining us today, and keep up the, you know, the great work that the Midnight Riders and the rest of the Ford has done in providing atmosphere at the stadium. Thanks, Sean. Hey, Jim, keep up with the great articles, man. Oh, thanks so much. Take care, Marty. All right. Bye, guys. Yeah, and that was uh, Monty Rodriguez, the president of the Midnight Riders uh, Revolution Supporters Group. Uh, again, going back to uh, the game last night, the 3-3 draw, uh, as you mentioned, Pat Noonan uh, with an ex- excellent goal chip over Pat Onset. Not quite sure what Pat Onset was doing you know, that far out of his box in that situation, uh, but uh, excellent awareness there by Pat Noonan, who really hasn't been scoring the goals this season as much as we've seen uh, in the past. Really, since his injury, he hasn't been scoring as much, but he, he looked great tonight, certainly linking up with Taylor Twelman on both goals. Uh, he, he's been... He's been quite the uh, the contributor right there besides Taylor Twalman. Oh, I think he's a he's a terrific player. I think right now the 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 big issue that I see uh, for these for the, the this various combination of players is how how you use uh, Twalman and Noonan together. Uh, who gives them the service? Whether whether Ralston stays outside or slips in behind, um, Dorman is is clearly clearly a better player when he comes in late to the box rather than being the 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 front attacking midfielder. When he's the second attacking midfielder, he really that's where he shines. And I think that uh, that the question for Nickel and Mariner is is how they're going to arrange these guys to get to get the most out of them, because uh, because again if you if you shift Ralston then then heaps is less effective if you uh, move Joseph or Laurentowitz or, or any of these different sort of chess pieces you lose something at the other uh, at the other positions and so again I think that's why perhaps bringing in one other player who can add to the mix who isn't necessarily uh, going to be uh, a 
twin of, of the players they already have might really, really help this team in terms of uh, making them, uh, maximizing their efficiency. I also think, you know, the scary thing is De Rosario made this gorgeous goal tonight. De Rosario just signed a long-term contract. We've got two players that, that we could easily not be seeing in a Rev uniform next year, and that really has to be dealt with, too. And that may be one of the reasons that that money isn't being spent. I don't know. Again, you ask the questions, and what you get are, are, are answers that uh, don't reveal very much. Well, we do just have a couple of minutes left here, but before we wrap things up, I would like to uh, ask Jim to talk about his recent trip to Argentina and uh, what he saw down there from going on during the Copa America and the experience of visiting Argentina. Well, uh, I've been to Argentina ten times, and I, I've, this, this, this was the first time in a number of years, and I, I got to be there during Copa America, although I wasn't there for the loss, the Argentine loss to Brazil. But it was really, really interesting watching the games on television and reading the analysis in the papers. What was particularly interesting for me was was the way they wrote about the U.S. team. They actually were quite praising of the U.S. team. Argentine soccer writers are very, very, very tough critics. And they're also very, very much critics of style. You know, if a team, if a team wins but doesn't look good, boy, they will let, they'll let their own team have it and they will certainly let other teams have it. But they actually did, did, uh, did praise the U.S. team in, in, in all three games. Um, in, certainly in the Argentina game, but, but particularly in the, in the Paraguay game and the, in the Colum, uh, Colombia game. They said that the team was definitely the better team and that they should have won and of course that that becomes a question in terms of you know when you should win you have to win and it's a it's a problem that we have with our own team the revolution there are games they should win but can they win them well again i'd like to ask you about uh revsnet.com and you're writing for that i know monty mentioned the great articles you've been doing i know you interviewed uh paul mariner recently you had the article uh with interview on barris Scalotta where you talked to him about you know, the opportunity to sign for the Revs. Uh, what do you have upcoming plan for ResNet? And talk a little about what you do for the site. Well, I, I, I try to write uh, more about sort of the atmosphere of games and, and the ideas behind the teams and, and not so much the, the, the game-to-game uh, writing. And, and right now, I, I guess I'm on, a, I'm on a kick with trying to figure out why it is we don't bring in players. So I, I, I've got another interview coming up with Mike Burns. I'm going to go back and interview other people and just try to find out what the deal is here. Because it really is, you know, I have huge respect for Steve Nichol and Paul Mariner. They're, they're, I don't know how much fans realize the level at which these guys played and the experience that they have in, in world soccer. So talking to them is a bit, is a bit like talking to professors uh, in terms of talking about the game. But both of them are very, very good at not giving you a straight answer if they don't want to. So that, that's that's sort of what I'm trying to do is trying to get more information out of these guys. Well, we do have to wrap things up now. Before I do, I would like to repeat the contest once more. Last week's winner was Michael Dwyer from Syracuse, New York, who got the answer correct and will be uh, receiving receiving a Revolution Adidas soccer ball. Uh, again, this week's contest is for a replica jersey, replica home jersey, worth $65. Uh, the question was, which four players have scored hat-tricks for the Revolution? Uh, and you can email that to contest at revolutionrecap.com. Again, this is courtesy of Eurosport and Soccer.com. Uh, I'd like to thank them again for providing all these contest items to the show. Uh, we will be back next week at 7 p.m. Uh, I'd like to thank all our guests today, especially Jim Dow for joining us in studio, uh, Josh Hackle over the phone, and Monty Rodriguez. And we'll be back next week at 7 p.m. Uh, the Revolution game is on Saturday at 9.30 p.m. in Real Salt Lake uh, against, uh, and we'll be on Fox Soccer Channel. Thanks for listening to that.
years of service to the Blackstone Valley, this is WNRI Woonsocket.